A Hero's Journey is, by its nature, a podcast filled with spoilers. We recommend reading the book beforehand and then diving into the episode, but proceed at your own risk. Welcome to A Hero's Journey, the literary podcast. I'm your host and judge, Jack, and I'm here with my named Northman. We're here with Zach, the Sky Bear. And Alex, Twinbiter. Each week, we look at a different book through Joseph Campbell's monomyth. This week on A Hero's Journey, we're discussing The Last Argument of Kings, the third book in the first Law Trilogy by Joe Abercrombie. This book follows four main points of view, two in the north, west, and Logan, nine fingers, and to an Adu with Giselle and Glockta. In the north, there is a struggle between the Union and Northernmen loyal, or Northernmen aligned against the King Bathod uh, and the King in the North Bathod. Their struggle eventually leads to the Northmen holding out in a position against Bathod for several days while the while the Union troops are um, approaching Gettysburg, <laughs> while the Union troops are held up in politicking before they can come to the rescue of the Northern men, um, eventually Logan is able to duel the feared in one-on-one -on -one combat and become king in the North. And in the Union, our second storyline is in the Union where Giselle is elected king unexpectedly and Glockta investigates the truth of his supposed parentage as a bastard son of the old king. The story culminates with a battle as the Gurkish invade the Union with the Hundred Words, the army of eaters, uh, coming with them to seek battle against Baez and take control of the Union. The Northermen, having defeated Bethode and the North, come down to aid the Union. During the final battle, Glockta is able to unleash the power of the seed and defeat the Hundred Words. Giselle is fully insulted power as king. Logan Ninefingers returns to the north where he is betrayed by Black Dao and has to flee. Uh, and unfortunately, while Baez unleashed the power of the seed, he caused a wasting sickness to be unleashed on the capital and West catches it. Uh, and is in the final stages of the illness as the book ends. Feeling incredibly sad as we find ourselves back in this godforsaken land, we come to our departure in our call to adventure, which uh, very confusingly begins with our return from the last book. <laughs> well, yes, that is the call to adventure here. In this story, we're going to be following Giselle, and his journey is to fully become king slash grow into his powers as king. And returning to Adu is a call to vendor for him because he's returning to the city, being proclaimed a hero, and having to accept that he's going to take a larger role in the world, um, where in his refusal of the call, Giselle wishes he could remain on the road with Logan um, and wishes that he could be the simple fighter and not 
take any more responsibility in the world, either as a soldier or eventually later as king. And we really see this, the drawn out goodbye with Logan that happens in the very first chapter of Giselle's point of view. He, he really just doesn't want to let go of this feeling of camaraderie he had on the road and the lack of responsibility that he felt. For meeting the mentor, I have to go with Baez here. Now, hear me out, everyone. I know we say that our mentors must have good intentions towards these for this to fit the step, but I think Baez does have good intentions in the fact that he wants Giselle to become king and to be heard to have this lack of responsibility to live this good life under Baez's control. So um, take that as you will. So generally, I think Baez does have intentions towards Giselle. He doesn't mean to harm or betray him throughout the story. For Acrossing the Threshold, Giselle is forced to leave Aru as a colonel with Baez to go put down a peasant rebellion. Um, he is accepting more responsibility, and there is a danger as Giselle only has a couple hundred soldiers to go against a peasant rebellion, which is already down a lord's guard and the first set of guards to control them. And the peasant force is a large, angry peasant mob. Uh, despite being not the best trained, they are still set up in a military. And for the belly of the whale, as Giselle returns to Adu, the old king dies and there is an election where Baez manipulates the lords to elect Giselle king, saying that he is the bastard son of the old. And at this state, Giselle can't turn back anymore. Before this, the possibility to go on the road or marry Artie, like, but now that he is king, he can't stop, you know, developing. He either has to continue or die. So while I understand the journey that you've chosen here for, and I still can't pronounce his name, Giselle. Yes. So while I understand the journey you've chosen here for Giselle, and I, I won't argue against it, it seems like not something he was particularly interested in or um, understood that was a possibility at the beginning of this book, right? It's not until situations are thrust upon him and, and uh, rumors revealed to be, uh, you know, with, with questionable validity that come out that he even is aware of the situation. So how do you rectify that lack of any real knowledge of the quest at the beginning when he's actually getting his call? The good news is that Campbell's already done it for us. It doesn't matter if the hero is aware. Yes, and uh, second, secondly, Giselle readily accepts this uh, very soon after he's elected. And for me, the quest becoming fully known at the belly of the whale or after the whale is pretty good. The call to adventure being this mysterious thing is fine with me. I actually enjoy that. It gives a little mystery to the start of the book. It gets you invested in wanting to start reading soon. And when Giselle returns to uh, Union Capital, he knows that something is different. He knows that all these rumors are that he did in, I forget if it's the East or West. I think it's the West at the edge of the world where he knows he didn't do these things. He knows he didn't hold a bridge. He knows he didn't take a city or any of the other rumors that are spread. So something is going on, but he just doesn't know what exactly. 
at the end. And I think he's even suspicious of Baez um, and Baez controlling things. I would say that I'd be a little bit thrown on your call to adventure, Alex, if it wasn't for the fact that I'm so on board with your refusal of the call. And I don't think we can have a refusal if the call doesn't exist. And whether he knows it or not, it seems pretty clear to me that this moment of longing to continue on the road and not bear responsibility in Ottawa definitely implies that he's aware of the fact that his life is about to change. I think that Giselle is looking at the situation through a little bit of rose-tinted glasses, right? He's returned to Ottawa, and he's forgetting kind of the hardships and the experiences that he felt on the road because he's now fairly removed from them. And I feel like it's a little bit of, uh, oh, the good old days weren't, which aren't even that far away. And now that he's come back, he's, he's longing for a thing that didn't actually exist in the way that he thought it did. Right. That is how nostalgia works. Yes. Yes. So, also, I'm pretty sure rose-colored is just the default setting for uh, Giselle's corneas. <laughs> this, this is a man that's just obsessed with the easy way things were before. Yeah. Right? So when he was training, is, he was fantasizing. Would the road have actually, like, if he had chosen, right? No, it oh, wouldn't have made go. him happy. Nothing will ever make Giselle happy. <laughs> So does it lose anything by the fact that it's what he wanted didn't actually ever exist? Uh, no, I think it's just... To my soul, yes. To the point on the hero's journey, no. I want to say, I think it's just Giselle wishing for a simpler time, wishing for less responsibility. It's not necessarily the road, but when he says he wants to remain on the road, what he's really saying is, I want to remain where I don't have responsibility. We have uh, Baez as the proposed mentor, and I feel like you have to take Baez's point of view into consideration. Yes, he didn't wish to see him harmed, but I feel like in Baez's plan, Giselle is a um, not only a pawn, right, but an easily interchanged pawn. I feel like had Giselle got hit by a metaphorical bus coming into the city, got trampled by uh, by a, a carriage, that Bias's plans could have easily found, or may have already uh, included, a second or third uh, fallback. So, actually, we learn that Bias had planned, he had other plans, right? We know Giselle yeah. is not actually the king's son. He's a random orphan picked up... Um, and, you know, once Baez picked Giselle to be the king, instead of orphans, and he mentions one, even Brent, one of the soldiers that was Giselle's friend, and just un once, once Baez picks out Giselle, he says, I you. I've invested all this time and all this effort into you. So Baez even says, I need you to survive. I need you to fulfill my plans, and I don't want to harm you. Don't want to. I will, if I need to, but I don't want to do it. This sounds like a bias is abusive now. I understand the argument you've tried to make here, make here, Alex, but I think you undid yourself there at the end when you pointed out that bias would obliterate 
our our hero here if he thought that this journey didn't play out the way it was going to. So yeah, I, it's a little hard when I'm saying like, "Don't make me hurt you," you know, like classic abusers do. So yeah, yeah. no, I'm gonna <laughs> redacted. Uh, so I'm thinking uh, we might need to start a second scale going around here for the hero's journey versus Baez's journey and see if they don't line up very well outside of this mentorship. If they didn't line up well, then this hero's journey wouldn't exist because Giselle <laughs> wouldn't exist. So, and I think you're wrong with the crossing the threshold, Mrs. Biden. So for your crossing the threshold, being forced to leave uh, Ada uh, as the colonel, there is actually very little danger that exists. And it's primarily due to the fact that Baez has already rigged this whole situation. The peasant revolt is Baez's doing. The leader of the peasants is in Baez's control. And all of this is just... And and forgive, forgive me if I'm... Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Alex. Isn't the leader just his, like, other person who's face-changing? Yeah, so Sulfur, the guy who yeah. changes faces, but his eyes remain the same. So anytime you see anyone in this book with two different color eyes... This whole situation where Giselle is in danger, using very large air quotes, is actually just a like a big stage play that Baez is putting on just to up Giselle's uh, appearance to the people in the capital, just to give him a little more clout closer to home, right? And... There is no situation in which A, Giselle was actually in any real danger, or B, where he actually had to make any real decisions. <laughs> it was all just, do this, do that, all right, let's go home. He thought he was in danger the whole time, including when he did the actual, like, negotiating and big quotes where, you know, Sulphur just said, oh, that's okay, you get everything you want, I'm going to dissolve the revolt now. Peace out. <laughs> He didn't know. I, I don't know why he didn't realize that that was what's happening, but he didn't realize it. He thought he was in danger the whole time. In fairness, there is a constant air of danger because, as we have stated, if things go wrong, Baez might just murder him and be like, You, random dude, you are king now. I really don't like the fact that it's all contrived in the stage play, but if you guys only care about. I I think as a source of danger, it is much less than Giselle thinks it is. But my my bar for the danger on crossing the threshold is lower. This this really fits for me because even though it is a stage test by Baez, from Giselle's perspective, this very much fits the like sort of half trial first attempt at being a leader. And then if this was a, if this was a different story, this would be where he went to put down the peasants rebellion, failed to do it and then learns his lesson and successfully puts it down in like a peaceful manner and learns to be a good King right in time to come home, be a hero. This is not that story though. So it's a state, it's a setup. <laughs> yeah. This is the Baez manipulated equivalent to the crossing of the threshold. Right. Well, I have no Which problem I guess with... is, I guess that's the writer that I, I, I'm putting on all of this stuff, is that a lot of this stuff, a lot of these points are going to be less about Giselle's autonomy because of the quest that we have, and the fact that there is a trickster god running around controlling everything. 
Yeah, and I in that vein, the belly of the whale I actually have no problem with because I feel like it is the last point where Giselle could be like, "Oh, hey, I'm I'm heading home. I mean, I'm I'm done with this." And now that he's Kane, it's it's kin or death at this point. Our departure with a four out of five, Giselle just lacking that mentor, um, and not for anyone's lack of trying. There's there's somebody who would tell you he is Giselle's mentor, and then also smite you for asking questions. <laughs> Sliding straight into the DMs of our journey, aka the initiation, um, we learn to deal with the most important parts in life, uh, your wife, your army, and your politics, and why they should never be allowed to meet. So, uh, like Jack said, our road of trials for Giselle is learning how to cope with the political structure, the military structure, and his new marriage as the king. And within all of this, we also have Giselle learning how to deal with Baez's advice, um, teachings, strategies that he puts out. So this is instructions. Very, yeah, delivery. It's, it's very important to realize that while Giselle is coming into his power, he's also coming into power, the aid and under the mentorship in quotes of Baez. So the first trial dealing with a close council, Giselle takes a larger role in the politics and management of the realm than his predecessor did. Um, the close council tries to bulldoze Giselle at first, but he displays anger and ideas that, um, that force them to change their tone a little bit and go along with what he says. With Baez's aid, of course. For the second road of trials, Giselle has a new wife, and he has to learn to deal with the implications of them. You know, he has to dismiss Artie, can't be with her anymore. He has to figure out how to make his wife, um, this is going to sound bad, but he's figure out how to make his wife kind of obey him and live with him as king of this medieval a terrible, terrible place. And now for the final row of trials, Giselle dealing with the military structure. He has to take command of the military. A part of this is appointing West as marshal after the old Lord Marshal dies in the north. And part of this is taking direct control of the military serving in the Union capital while the Gurkish attack. And Giselle leads a charge and is inspirational to the people. So I guess this isn't as much dealing with the army as dealing with the trappings of public kingship and controlling and inspiring the people to him. Through all of these, Giselle learns how to be a better king and a, and a better servant slash puppet for Baez. Before our meeting with the higher power, we have West, uh, Lord Marshal West arriving to help defeat the Gurkish and to save Giselle from as the Gurkish are laying siege to Adu and are attacking with siege weapons uh, and magic that Giselle doesn't really have access to. For a temptress, we again have this temptation to the old life and the simple life. Um, and this, I think, is represented by disappointment with audiences uh, with ambassadors from other kingdoms, where Giselle, he just doesn't really like the trappings of power that he has to assume 
when he's meeting these people and the gifts and the subtle politicking that occurs when he's meeting with ambassadors. He actually goes so far as to have Gromps get Artie and bring her to the palace to try and have an encounter with her, which doesn't succeed. Um, and this, I think, is just... That's when he rejects the temptress and decides, well, I guess I better just accept being king fully uh, when he knows that Artie is no longer available to him. For an atonement with the creator, we have Giselle leading a charge against the Gurkish. And I think this is an atonement because this is where Giselle started. He started in the military and he leads this charge against the Gurkish, inspiring the people, like I said, inspiring the army. A lot of support and renown from leading this charge. It seems like a desperate charge, one that is doomed to failure, but he succeeds in this. He's able to push the Gurkish back from their breach of the wall for a moment uh, before he's taken away to the palace. And this also protects Baez, gives Baez just a the tad bit more time that he needs. So I think it's important in those two aspects. For Apotheosis, after leading this charge, Giselle realizes that not only is he acting the part of the king, but he's actually doing it well. It's leading the charge and other things that he's doing in the closed council. He he is being a good king for the people and doing what wishes and um and doing what is needed to help rebuild his kingdom after the devastation of the Gurkish attack. And finally, for the ultimate boon, Giselle enters the throne and declares that Adu will be rebuilt after the destruction by the Kirkish attack and Baez's unleashing of the power of the seed um, on the city and the destruction that causes as well. My God, this where's is he get so all? Where's he get all that money? Uh, he takes a loan from a bank, bro. Oh, that's cool. easy. You don't ever have to pay that loan back. Your sugar daddy's paying for everything. That's not true. <laughs> no, he increases the pretty... taxes on the note as well, because fuck them. Who cares about well, that? But see, this is heartbreaking. It sounds like he actually has three points here of like thinking maybe he could be a good king, and I feel like our return is just going to be gut punch after fucking gut punch. Only after the crossing, to be to be totally honest. A reminder that you are not king. You're a king, but you are my king. Yes. Hmm. I kind of like this initiation. This was pretty good. No, it's bad. It's set up in the classic way because it's meant to. It's clearly meant to mimic all these things to make the fall even bigger. Jack, could you say that at the end? Because so I can like say yeah. why I, it's so good that this happened. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll schedule that after didactus some argument. Maybe maybe when we hit the end of the temptress, because that can segue into the three points that I know I'm just going to be giving no matter what Zach says. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Sorry, Zach. I'm biased. You're biased. <laughs> For your road of trials, Giselle here. You've got him dealing with politics, dealing with his wife, and dealing with the army. Unfortunately, I feel like a he doesn't. Well. Every instance that we see of these trials, the end outcome of his betterment, right? If you want to, you've got two ways to choose to swing this, right? It's, oh, he actually improves at these things. Or, in actuality, Baez, behind the scenes, makes them easier to accomplish. 
through Glockta, uh, we have the dealing with the wife situation about how Glockta forces his wife to, to really come around by threatening her, her lover. Then for the dealing with the closed council and politics, uh, like we just said earlier, Baez has his hands pretty much in everybody's business, and that's how he got elected in the first place. Um, so I feel like most of the the feelings that he's experiencing are just him feeling out of his depth, not actually not getting what he wants or what Baez wants. And then dealing with the army, he he gets saved by uh, Wes pretty much, right? It's it's Wes's reintroduction into the story that that fixes the imbalances that exist somewhat between uh, their forces and the enemies. So in each instance, someone else is doing all the the actual heavy lifting for him. And what little change that occurs, if any, is just him feeling slightly more comfortable in the position. Well, I want to argue a little bit against this. I think that while Baez is kind of laying the railroad tracks down, Giselle power and stoking the fire and yeah so like giselle the 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 tracks are down like you said Baez is kind of controlling the things with glockta telling um wife what she needs to be doing you know that's Baez laying the tracks down but giselle still has to power the engine giselle still has to do those things and with the army specifically um i'm gonna push back and say that that's not that's not true. That's not what what's happening. Um, Giselle is saved by Wes. That's our meeting with the higher, power. but he also is actually in control of the with his defense of Adu. He he doesn't as big a backseat as I think you're trying to say he does in that instance. He goes up on the wall. He leads the charge twice. He he actually has better control of the army than you think. And he's learning how to be a king or at least how to act like one throughout all of this. Um, I just feel like the hand, at most, I think your best counter argument to what I propose is the West arriving. Um, he does still have a little bit of, I don't want to say glory because it's not even quite that, but he, he does get a little bit of face time, right, out of his own kind of stubbornness. Um, the but I feel like the closed council politics. Do we ever see an instance where he actually, out of his own volition and ability, accomplishes something that is uniquely his own? Let me rephrase that for Zach because what matters to me is do we have any moments where he thinks he's won a victory? As long as for me, as long as he's unaware that Baez is pulling the strings behind, I don't mind them for trials because I think if he feels like he's gaining in his powers as a king, it works. Yeah, so I can give specific instances for all of these. For the closed council, in his first meeting with the council, they're talking about who to name as Lord Marshal, and Giselle says, we're going to name what? Start to argue with him, like, no, it has to be Polder or Croy, you know, these other two gentlemen. Oh, and he stands up, he throws a cup at them and says, Who's king? I'm king. West is the new Lord Marshal. Shut up and everyone go away. Um, that and then, worse for me. Yeah, for his wife. He's learning all the wrong lessons about being king. <laughs> but... For his wife, Giselle doesn't know that um, Glockta is doing anything. So he thinks that he is becoming a better husband and that's why his wife is respecting him more. 
And for the army, like I said, just all these yeah, try, trying to trying to bring in a mistress really proves he's improving as a husband. Wait, he tries to bring her a woman to sleep with? No, he tries to bring he brings Artie to him. But what happens yeah. af after he brings Artie to him is he thinks he's being a better husband, doing a better job, trying to get her to work with him. So yeah, I I think all of these have horrifying implications. They're gonna be brought down on us later. But I I certainly think that Giselle believes he is undergoing a road of trials here, and that these are things that he is learning to become a better king with very defined moments of him going, man, I'm really getting good at this, which is going to lead us into our apotheosis very well. 14. So for our meeting with the higher power, uh, once again, we have Baez, only Baez. There will only ever be Baez. And where did we fall along the lines of the mentor and the higher power being, uh, being the same proposed person? Uh, I think being a mentor precludes you from actually being a higher power, but the good news is that Baez isn't a mentor. That doesn't change that he was selected as both. That just means Alex was wrong in both his choices. We can revise. We can make it better. I, cause well, we have I, the technology. Well, I understand your argument for West, Alex. I will say at the moment that it feels like that's a lot wrapped up in his road of trials, which makes it harder for me to see West as the higher power just coming in to save him. Maybe that's just not. For, maybe that is how it actually feels from not reading during so, the book. If that is how it feels in the book, because it, it appears that they're going to lose this battle, and then we have West coming in with the army, like all of the army and the Northmen. Um, before that, there was really seemingly no hope for Adu. They all thought that they were going to be dying. Right, and then the army comes in, and now there's hope again. There's a, okay. a chance that they can survive. And this, so this is, is how this is how that, deep and West is definitely Gandalf. This is, is one of the things that I feel isn't affected as much by bias. For the temptress here, uh, I don't know if we can use the old simple life again because we've already said a there is no way that. Giselle is actually getting out of this kinghood, right? That was the whole basis of our belly of the whale. And while he may reminisce and think about, oh, it was nice when things were less complicated, I don't like temptresses that don't have any true actionability to them. That's fair. This is, you know, super similar to the refusal of the call that happened. But I think it's different in the fact that he actually calls Artie to him. He actually tries to, to have this happen to take her as a mistress. So I, I think we you have to decide for yourself, is that him accepting he's king by calling for a mistress, or is that him saying, hey, um, I want to return to the simple life. I want to return to the, the life that I had before all of this happened. So I'm a little bit torn because of how far ahead we jumped for the meeting with the higher power. And so this means that the temptress is farther back, right? The meeting with the higher power happens pretty late in this story from the sound of it. And that puts our temptress squarely in our road of trials. Yes. And a calling, calling for Artie definitely seems like an attempt to give into his temptation before he reforms. But I will give Zach that we have made it pretty clear already that Giselle's will isn't his own functionally. <laughs> Uh, his will is 
is less important to me here than his available actions, right? He can want all he wants, but if you can't actually do anything about it, then it doesn't matter. Tell me here, what, what stops him when he tries to set this up with Artie? What goes wrong? Artie says, no, I'm not doing this. Okay, I'm not going to be your mistress. Yeah. Yeah. That seems like him trying to want both, but that's still not an escape from the bird from his position. I feel like even if she'd said yes, it would have only taken them a few days before Baez was like, ah, actually, you know, Artie, you're gonna live in this nice little tower over here. He has experiences with towers, so for the temptress. I feel as if this might be one of the steps where Giselle's agency is because as, as we've talked about the temptress, it's kind of baked in. For our atonement with the creator, his charge against the Gurkish, I understand that it calls back to his roots as a militaristic person, right? But let's go let's go back farther or let's look at it candidly from the beginning of his journey. Is he actually a military person, right? He's a duelist who is a pretty boy who gets sent on a wild journey with a wizard and a barbarian and a demon chick. He never actually has any true military experience. But he has all the trappings of one. He has all the trappings of a king. Yeah, and the trappings of a leader it's part of being king in this world and this time I don't really care as much about the trappings as I do his experiences but I don't feel like it calls back if 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 let's say this was Glockta right and we had Glockta charging a bridge or holding a bridge or, or something you know how he when he originally gets captured yeah way back in his like that would be a callback to his past life. This is very much just a... Uh, this is actually, if anything, a break from what this character does traditionally, right? He hasn't yeah, actually done anything like this. But living up to the man that he should be to fill the role, which is why it works for me. This is, this is the first action we're seeing now. Because of this charge and some of the other things, this is why he thinks he's a good king. But it is after looking back, after the battle is done, back and says, hey, I did this stuff. Maybe I am actually a good king. So. Yeah. So I think the Giselle, who we have throughout his apotheosis, his ultimate boon, would tell you this is his atonement with his atonement with the creator. But from the context you guys are giving me in the moment, it isn't, it isn't the center point of his journey. It's what he tells himself later should have been the moment he became a good, a good man and a good king. Well, um, something I want to say, kind of going off of that, is this whole journey, I think, is set up very well because Baez is controlling things. Baez is setting this up so we can have a good story about why Giselle is king. It's all of the stuff that Giselle does fits really well into this hero's journey framework because that was the intention as to have this myth about why Giselle is king. So it's easy people to accept him but also easy for bias to control this 
Man, and I, I, I 100% agree. And that was why I was expecting to give this moment. Uh, because, right, as you're saying, we're it, ideally, we're, we would be reading a book about King Giselle that Baez had published uh, to tell us all about the great King Giselle and his heroic deeds and why you should all totally be fine with him being king. Uh, but it sounds like from during this moment, we're in one of the few points of time that Baez lacks control. So maybe that is why it isn't until later everyone agrees that this was such a heroic moment. Okay, I think that's fair. And then I think we can all agree in the context that we've laid out for his advent, for Giselle's adventure, that realizing that he's a good king might not actually be true, but it's certainly Giselle's apotheosis that we're going to have undermined out from under him. And paired with that, living up to his own myth, coming back to his throne and saying, we will rebuild is... The mo right if we're we were writing a history book on Giselle would be somewhere something that people go and this is the moment that Giselle the Great established himself, his famous on the throne speech. Unfortunately, uh, we're going to go to a return where some of these things might change, but <laughs> to bring us to a close on our initiation with both the Temptress and the Atonement with the Creator missing. Uh, and again, I'm still just really surprised about that Atonement with the Creator. But you can always reach out to us at a hero's journey or at a underscore heroes underscore journey on Twitter and let us know what you think. Do you think that maybe I was a little bit harsh on this temptation and that Giselle really is trying to get to a new life? And did you read this final charge against the Gurkish differently? Because it sounds it sounds like my two co-hosts have a very similar opinion, but I imagine that this moment might read differently to others. Let us know. And now coming into our return, we have the crushing realization that we were wrong all along and that Big Daddy Baez will step on us. So for our refusal of the return, after Giselle has accepted all this kingship with Baez's tutelage, he tries to go against Baez's wishes in a meeting of the Close Council, uh, specifically saying, can we tax the banks uh, to pay for rebuilding Adu? Can we give the peasants some land and like repayment for their services here? And Bias just shuts that all down right, right quick. Um, <laughs> Can I do these peaceful, good reforms? No. No. Yeah. So for a magical flight, uh, we have to go back a little bit to the ultimate boon where this was secured. Um, really, when the Gurkish were defeated, there's a time jump from that Gurkish attack to this this meeting of the closed council where Giselle refuses his return and goes against Baez's wishes. And similarly, our rescue from without, we have to go back to the battle where the danger occurred. I think there are two possible rescues here, a large one and a small one. The large one is Baez unleashing the power of the seed and defeating all the Gurkish and the hundred words, the eater army that attacks. And then there's also Grox with a small save, uh, physically saving Giselle from the danger of an eater sent to assassinate him. For a crossing of the threshold, Baez feels that Giselle is actually the son of a whore and a, not the king's bastard and doesn't have any of this relationship and power 
that he should, but I has just kind of put everything up there. So this is crossing the threshold. Going back to our, the beginning where Giselle realizes that he doesn't really have power and Baez is in control of the whole situation. For Master of Two Worlds, despite not having the power that he thinks he does, Giselle takes on the mantle of king, still carries out his kingly duty, you know, controlling the army, meeting with diplomats, acting as a nice, pretty face and figurehead, a kingly figure for Baez. And he also takes on the role of servant to Baez after accepting that Baez has put him in power and controls the situation. Lakta is controlling Giselle for Baez. He, he accepts his role of both servant while still maintaining his role as king slash figurehead slash pretty face of the union. And for our freedom to live, while discussing the new relationship of himself and Glock to Baez and the entire kingdom, we hear from Glock to, you know, maybe we can do small things to help the peasants. Not right now. All right now, but I just still keeping too close an eye on this. But maybe in the future, we could do some small things to help out the peasants. And I think that that is a fairly good freedom to live for this terrible, god-awful, miserable world that we are uh, learning about and reading about. For our refusal of the return, uh, you have challenging Bias's wishes. I feel like this little act of bravery, perhaps how foolish it may be, is him trying to like create a new normal does the fact that it it fails ultimately right mean that it didn't matter so for me i think this might be one of the few steps of the return that we hit kind of perfectly this is this is where the ultimate the classical ultimate boon of and refusal to return pair together right he's received the ultimate boon of truly being king and then the moment he goes to really be king, the rug is yanked out from under him and he's refusing to return to very literally the situation he was in last book where he works for Baez. And as we see so often, it, the fact that it's unsuccessful isn't entirely relevant. We do have to return to the new normal eventually. So that takes our magic flight to your time jump after the Gurkish attack where they're kind of dealing with the aftermath. Um, it didn't seem like he was kind of whisked away in any significant fashion, both from a geographical location or uh, a state of consciousness or anything like that. It's just, oh, some time has passed. Let's talk about the things have changed. And it seems more like a narrative device than it is anything impactful to, to G Giselle's story. I don't think it's directly enough away from danger to a magical change this is just chapter one next chapter so like i said i, I don't like Baez's rescue due to the both the uh, aftermath and the personal nature of it whereas uh gorst as we've uh correctly now identified him uh proves to be a useful distraction but ultimately isn't the one who actually saves uh giselle from the eaters yeah Baez's through his puppet Sulfur, and everyone is Baez's puppet. It doesn't seem like that makes Jack think any less of it. I I think that perhaps that means that we should be putting Sulfur's name on this list, 
but it seems very clear to me that Giselle, after this successful charge, as Giselle is trying to decide if he's a good kid, uh, there's a lot of times that his ass is saved in this final battle. All right, so for the crossing of the return threshold, this revelation of Giselle's parentage, I feel like you're trying to tie it back into the fact that now Giselle is again a nobody. He went from being king, uh, from nobody to being king, to being nobody again in, in his own eyes. But it doesn't mean he's lost the trials that you've said that he has changed, right? We, we've awarded it to him, so he's he's obviously accomplished something in, in the eyes of this podcast. And we've got an ultimate boon and apotheosis. I feel like this revelation of the true parentage doesn't take any of those things away from him. Uh, can I ask, does this come pretty close after that refusal? Does it go small council meeting and then beat down on what the truth is? Yeah. Okay. So in that context, does this shatter Giselle's confidence and render him into a mute servant of Baez for basically the rest of time? Oh, yeah. No. No. Yes. It's not a mute servant. It's a very much a vocal puppet servant, but at the same time, maybe we'll slowly start to undermine things. No, no. Very subdued, and he... he He's a mute to bias. He only talks to Glockta. And even in a conversation with our freedom to live that I've tried to say happens here. The freedom to live is not happening. So. Oh, I, I'm aware. Yeah, no, I know. So Giselle says to Glockta, hey, I want to do these things. Do you think we could do these things ever? And Glockta says, well, maybe. And Giselle's like, well, be sure to tell our mutual friend that uh, I'm still doing everything he wants. Please tell him. Please. I'm be- please say that I'm doing a good job. I'm being a good little boy. He's so lacking confidence and so subjugated by bias who is not even physically there well does that mean that he shouldn't have been awarded these trials and this ultimate boon when he really just became a bitch boy uh they are all stripped away from him now i think right which which comes into this idea that they they were building him false confidence because giselle is not a person that likes himself so it all it takes is one reveal to undo all of the progress that bias had built into him uh and i think i i I think i'm awarding this crossing the threshold though uh it will quite clearly come at the cost of any freedom to live because the new the new normal is that giselle is broken as zach said we have undone all of the progress he has made which kind of, I think, might mean he can't win either of the last two points. Oh, I was just going to say, what do you think of him being Puppet King and Servant Tobias? Those are one one role. (laughs) Not only are they one role, neither is truly a master. Yeah, he is, uh, as we've said, he has been stripped of the mastery he was attaining, so he is... He's going to live in Baez's world, but I don't think he's even mastered it yet. Maybe we'll, if we found him being some sort of happy ruler in the future, uh, who's like learned how to be okay with a puppet and like subversively. Do no, what we he find wants, him dying, and there being a power struggle over his successor again. The person that we are left with is a shell of the hero we were building. That is going to bring us to a close on this return. Uh, a little bit spottier than the rest of our journey with the magical flight, and then these last two points missing. Uh, that's going to put our final score at 11 out of 17. Uh, though 
I think we can say very safely that Giselle is not a hero. He was just being built to look like one. So reframing all of this to rate Baez for his gaslighting of civilization, I guess Baez is pretty... 10 out of 10. 11 out of 7, 11 out of 17, Baez can build a pretty okay hero from random hunky boy. It's going to loop us around to our final thoughts. Uh, as has apparently become tradition for Joe Abercrombie novels, uh, I'm just going to say that I'm excited to read this one. My my life got a little, my life in schedule got a little bit hectic this week, so I didn't have time to pour through this one in time for the episode. I'm uh, really sad that Jack wasn't able to read this because I think that this is a great culmination of a story. Like I said, I think that Baez sets everything up so well for Giselle to appear to be the hero, appear to be the mythical king, just like he did with Herod the Great and all these other old kings that there are legends about and old Lord Marshals and Lord Chancellors who there are legends about. I like this as a culmination because we get a satisfying vision. We get the defeat of the Gurkish. We get Baez coming into power. We get Giselle as king, Logan as the northern savage that by everyone. And we also learn that the is as terrible as we were led to believe from the beginning. I think this is a great example of how Grimdark can be done well with great, interesting characters, satisfying conclusions, but a reminder that the world is not all free. Yeah, and I very much enjoyed this trilogy as a whole. I read the first and then the two immediately thereafter quite quickly. And and I feel like if you do it in that way, you, without giving yourself too much of a break, you get further enveloped in these characters and the way they think and what their wants are. But at the end of the day, the, um, the puppet strings in the background are what's really making the world go. And I feel like we get enough of a allusion to Baez's thinking without actually ever getting this is exactly what he thinks and what he wants and what he's going for that is it makes it so we're able to keep things interesting as the reader right if I think if we got an exactly uh exactly what Baez wanted from the beginning right his his aims are kept secret enough that they are left interesting and while my favorite character we didn't get to discuss today, who was Logan Ninefingers, um, who himself has an interesting third book, uh, I recommend anyone read it to, to see more of his actions in this, in this conclusion to the series. Thank you all so much for joining us. If you've been loving A Hero's Journey as much as we'd love to do it, don't forget to leave us a review wherever you get your podcast from and hit whatever your subscribe button is or ring that bell, as YouTube is fond of saying, in order to get notifications on new content. We also have a Patreon that you can find a link to in the show notes if you want to donate to the show. Everything you give us goes straight back into making this content that we love to make and we hope you love to listen to. You can also always join our Discord. It's a great place to hang out and chat about books. As always, I have been your host and judge, Jack. This is Alex. And I'm Zach. And next week we will be going even darker than the first Law series with Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. That's it was the first one that got dark. But it doesn't mean it's darker than Joe Abercrombie. I, I know. Yay! Oh, thank you.
apologies to all of our listeners uh, who have been screaming in rage or wondering who the fuck Gronst is. We were referring to Gorst. Oh my god! <laughs> controlled. You tell me if you're a magic wizard who's been manipulating me my entire life, right?